All circuits are busy now. Will you please try your call again later? Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Hotline. If you are obsessive compulsive, press 1 repeatedly. If you are codependent, ask someone to press 2 for you. If you have multiple personalities, press 3, 4, 5, 6. If you are paranoid, we know what you are and what you want. Stay on the line and we'll trace your call. If you're delusional, press 7 and your call will be transferred to the mothership. If you are schizophrenic, listen carefully and a small voice will tell you which number to press. If you're depressive, it doesn't matter which number you press, no one will answer you. If you're dyslexic, press 69696969. If you have a nervous disorder, please fidget with the hash key until the beep. After the beep, please wait for the beep. If you have a short-term memory loss, please try your call again later. And if you have low self-esteem, hang up. All our operators are too busy to talk to you. And welcome to another edition of The Straight Dope. I'm your host, Damon Dare, and I'm joined this evening with V, who has uh, been gracious enough to be our very first guest on the show. Uh, v, utter a few adjectives and tell people about yourself and... Um, and what brings you here? I, you know, I, I, we're excited that you're here, and you know, excited to see what you're going to bring to the table for us tonight. Thank you for for inviting me. I'm really uh, grateful to be here, and I'm hope the audience uh, will get a perspective. Uh, by the way, I am a tech guru, uh, working in, in technology. All right, excellent. Um, I'm totally stoked to see. Uh, um, you know, to discuss the topic tonight uh, that you're bringing to us. And yes, uh, as, as some of you know, including yourself, you know, I have an absolute passion for, you know, technology and technology studies. It's, uh, it's been that way ever since, you know, uh, day one for me. So it's not everybody, you know, is a techie, but hey, you know, every, you know, at one person's butcher is another person's savior. That's the way I like to put it. So in our first topic tonight, one of the things that I want to talk about, um, you know, and bring out there, there's been a lot of uh, discussion in the media about people who work remotely versus people who don't. I mean, certainly there's there's a large degree of jobs out there that can be done remotely, and there's absolutely no need for somebody to go sit in a cubicle or, in this case, you know, drive anywhere from a half an hour to an hour and a half each way to an office to go put a warm butt in a cubicle to do a job that can be done entirely remote and then have to drive that same half an hour to hour and a half back home. And, and folks, think about this, right? So essentially anywhere from an hour to three hours of driving commuting per day, you're pumping more CO2 into the atmosphere for your commute, you're, you know, you're, you're totally, you know, you're, you're adding to the problem of, you know, climate change and, and um, you know, pollution that, you know, we're right now faced with a huge significant challenge, right? All because some old school manager who does not know how to manage people in a new type of remote workforce wants to be able to just look over the cube and see that somebody is there and justifying, you know, 
their existence. I mean, folks, that's 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 how it is. I mean, there are there is new school management and there is old school management, right? And so the old school management, you know, you see you tend to see a lot of companies out there like look at JP Morgan Chase, look at Goldman Sachs, right? Those two companies, you know, have been essentially analyzed in a lot of the news articles in the media lately about trying to stuff that remote work genie back in the bottle. A lot of these old school managers think that, hey, things are better when someone has their butt in the office in a cube. Sorry, I disagree. Now, some of you know that, you know, by day, you know, I work as I work in tech as a DevOps engineer. There's I mean, without the rare exception time to time, you know, where, you know, I might have to go to a data center once in a while, you know, and that's about maybe a 25 minute drive, you know, for me, for where I live. Once in a blue moon, I have to go and, you know, actually physically do something in a data center. Now, at the same token, you know, our company has an office location you know, in Morrisville, there's no reason for me to drive to Morrisville every day. Right. And, and my boss knows this, my boss is in Texas. Right. So, I mean, you know, he, he fully understands the capability to work remote and the fact that he knows I do my job. So, you know, these, he's, he's a, he's a manager that is able to manage a remote team and a remote workforce not like uh, the likes of the management ranks and at JP Morgan and, and, you know, um, Goldman Sachs. But I mean, here's the thing. I like the, I like the flexibility. I get up, I do my, I get my coffee in the morning. I have my breakfast. You know, I might have a little bit of time to read the news before I start my day, you know, at least just get a glance at the headlines. And then I usually start my day around eight 30 to nine. And I don't have to sit in a car in traffic, you know, burning up uh, energy. You know, I drive an EV, but still, you know, the energy is going to come from somewhere. But I don't have to put wear and tear on my car. You know, I get like a half an hour to an hour of my life back each way. You know, the fact that I work from home every single day. And at the end of the day, even if I work till like 530 or 6, at the end of the day, I'm done and there's no commute. My commute goes from my office upstairs to downstairs, which takes all in all of maybe 10 seconds. That's an unbeatable commute. Now, I will tell you, you know, my boss, he knows I do a good job, right? I mean, he has metrics to prove that I'm actually, you know, doing what they hired me to do. Projects are given to me. You know, there is deadlines, there are project grooming sessions, there are stand-up meetings in the morning, you know, like you would do even if I was, you know, going to an office every day. But he knows that I'm getting my work done. There, there are ways to measure that, right? You don't need to see a warm body in a seat, in a cubicle, you know, when... <laughs> I don't know. So, so I, I see all these headlines constantly in the news, you know, headlines for articles written, 
you know, about the pros of working remotely and the pros of going to the office. Now, I will say, yeah, other elements of being in the office that you don't get as a remote worker? Sure, I'll, I'll review a few of them for you. So you don't get, you know, the managers that are constantly looking over your cube to see if you're actually working. You don't get people peeking in the break room to see if you're spending too much time chatting it up near the water cooler or, you know, going to the bathroom too many times or any of that other stuff. There's none of that. Um, at the same token, you know, there's, there's no, you know, th there's, there's no physical colleagues to talk to in a, in a quick chat where, you know, you're passing by the cube and you see one of your colleagues and you're like, Hey, yeah, did you see that, you know, Patriots game, you know, this weekend, what'd you think of that and play, you know, there, yeah, there is some of that that goes on in our Slack chats, but I mean, you know, there, it's a different mode of working. I mean, you know, and, and I've worked both, I've worked all different ways where I've held a job where I've traveled for seven years, you know, literally on the road 70% of the time. And most of those trips being international, about 90%. I've worked in the office. I've done it all, you know, in terms of like the different styles of working. And honestly, most of the times, like when I compare how much I used to travel. Could I have done some of that stuff remotely? Absolutely. I mean, think of how much money could have been saved, you know, and speaking of that, the savings, right? If you're a company and you have, you know, multiple floors of office space in a big city, like let's say Raleigh or Boston or San Francisco or New York, how much I, I, I can't fathom the amount of money that these companies are spending. I mean, let's face it, folks, commercial real estate is not cheap. I mean, the cost per square foot is insane. I worked for a company up in Cambridge, Mass. They had uh, multiple floors of office space. I mean, thousands of, of square feet of office space. And those companies, I mean, that company, they, they were spending millions of dollars per month, just cash burn on square footage, guys. And think about it, right? How much money could companies save, you know, by having a remote workforce where you don't have to, I mean, my company doesn't have to pay me for the square footage that I occupy upstairs in my office, right? I mean, they, they don't have to, you know, they don't have to pay for that. It's, it, I mean, I, I pay for it. I, I have to keep the AC on or the heat or whatever, but you know, Hey, it's something I'm willing to do because what I'm saving, you know, maybe, you know, six to $7,000 a year in commuting costs. So yeah, I can afford to, you know, keep the heat on or the AC on, you know, that kind of thing. But I mean, you know, the reality is think of how much money companies could save if, they didn't have to have so many square feet. In other words, they could reduce the number of cubes for positions that could be remote by a substantial amount and, and turn that cost savings into money invested back into the business. Or they could turn that into maybe an increase for their most valuable talent. I mean, nothing speaks to talent retention than, you know, giving your best talent a raise or giving them better, you know, health care, those kinds of things. I mean, these are things that companies should be looking at is, hey, look, 
if I don't have to have all these people, you know, in New York City or in Raleigh or whatever, and I can have maybe 60 to 70% of them work from home, and I don't have to have all that office space, all that square footage that I'm paying through the nose for, think of how much money they could turn back into the business for the benefit of the employees, the benefit of the company, the business as a whole, and you wouldn't have to lay off so many people. So, I mean, V, you, you, here's the thing, you, I know you travel, but you, I think you also work remote as well, right? Yes. So I, I have the privilege, I'll, I'll term this word as flexibility. So, so if, if you go back where it all started, uh, pandemic has actually, while it has been very impactful for a lot of people, it actually has given a push or a momentum for people to think differently. And I, 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 I can give you an example of a company which was very old traditional, five days office, no remote, nothing. That company had to overnight turn around and be a full remote company. And luckily, we had tech companies that were available to turn those companies to full-time remote by providing the tools and technology so that the employees can be connected. And those companies adopted. So the, what, what it tells us is we need to look at the side of what is the adoptive adoption we should look for. And what is what other thing that has this uh, has teach us is this we can now think about the benefits of employees. This is the time that we can take as a learning and find those avenues to boost the morale of the employees. Now, like you said in the beginning, not necessarily all roles have to be in the office. I, I do see in my office, sometimes there are people just coming in the morning, sit on their desk, take calls from the, on, on, the, on their headphones and just go back home. I do not think they need to come to office. I mean, if they can take the call from from office very well they can do uh, today's inter internet speed that we have uh, the cameras or anything that you can talk about which obviously was not the at, at par uh, decade back he can very well work from home he can he can spend time of the time that you mentioned about commuting to, to give that productivity back to the company i agree that people need to come to office at times not necessarily all the times like i i would agree the people who are in decision making yes they have to meet and face to face and decide on the uh, you know what decision they have to make because sometimes those decisions are quick and need to be taken very quickly and and you need to hurdle in a room and and you know go through the facts those cannot be done remotely i understand but for that matter you don't have to get the 100 percent staff to office you need to give the flexibility to employee to choose and and decide on when they should come to office at the same time i do uh, feel that we don't want to lose the connectivity we can always have once in a month event and we can call them, uh, like you said, all the money that we can save from the, all the real estate, you can put back to the welfare of the employees, which will tell them that the company is now thinking about you instead of just, you know, just like somebody just watching you, you're warming the, the chair in the office, wasting the money and not necessarily is being productive there. So I I think we have to, we, we at this point of junction, companies have to think, the options that they have available, how best they can give it to back to their employee. I, I work for an employer uh, who, who in fact shut down their offices in multiple locations because it was not worth for, for them to invest on their real estate property. And that they could that get that money, put it to investment back into the company, gave a good, good bonus to the uh, employees. 
it was it was really greatly appreciated i do understand some employees uh, cannot work from home and and you know uh, like countries where where we uh, live i think we have these f- facilities some countries do not some countries uh, really have had to or employees had to go through a tough time when they were suddenly uh, have to be in in a in a room uh, with other people and try to work from i i do understand we have to uh, you know think about those scenarios as well but that's where i'm saying now we have the choice and the benefits or the flexibility we can give to the employees let them choose what works best for you as a manager i would think or i would empower my team to make sure that they deliver what is expected from them i'm not going to sit behind them or sit on top of them and keep watching what they are doing not doing if you're going to build that culture you will only get shitty work from them uh, sorry to sorry my language but you you if you want to get the work done and if you can af- offer this flexibility where they can be thankful about it they will turn around and give you much more productivity and that's absolutely true and like you know I, you might have heard the saying before where you know people don't quit jobs they quit managers yep. so if you're the type of manager that is constantly concerned like you're you're constantly looking at your watch and you're looking as people are coming off the elevator and walking down the hall and you're one of those hall monitor managers you're the type of manager that people are going to resent working for and they're they're only there you know biding their time while they're looking for their next opportunity they're not gonna, they're not going to plan to stay working for somebody like that and that's the type of manager with the old school mentality of you know Hey, I got to have a warm body in this seat at exactly nine o'clock and until five o'clock. And hey, sometimes I expect that person to be there until eight o'clock or whatever. Well, let me tell you, right, as a remote employee, I mean, it sure. Are there things that need to happen after hours like maintenance windows and those sort of things? Sure. I, I know how much my company affords for the flexibility for me to work from home and the fact that I don't have to. You know, I don't have to trek into an office every day, you know, and if they, and if my boss calls me at, you know, 10 o'clock at night and says, Hey, we need to do a quick maintenance on something, you know, can you log in? I'm not going to argue. I'm happy. Right. I mean, I'm like, yeah, sure. Let me just, let me just throw on a pair of shorts and I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll log in and, right. and I'll be and, right there. <laughs> and, and look at the flexibility by, by having this remote option, you are now able to expand your recruitment or, or your, your hiring uh, boundaries to, to any place. Earlier, if you have to be in office, you have to look local. If they're competing uh, companies uh, trying for the same talent, then it's a challenge for you. But now with the remote, you can just go out and and get the talent anywhere else. As long as you can, you can give the opportunity for them to work and and you're not limiting on and or or conflicting with the talent at the the local place. So, so I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a win-win situation if you look at it in a perspective and, and take the best out of it. But if, if you think, uh, like you said, the old school style, I think this that time has gone. People have the flexibility. People have the choices much more than we had. So instead of uh, resisting the change, I think we should adopt the change and take the best out of this and, and, and give, give what we can to our employees who can be more happier uh, versus, you know, just, just trying to make their life difficult. Absolutely. And, and the other token of that is, too, because I've seen it, I've seen it done, you know, especially where, you know, people, you know, working remotely when the whole pandemic hit and, and everything started and, and people started working remote literally overnight because the pandemic pushed everything into this new paradigm. Right. One of the things I observed and I still sort of see it sometimes today. Right. Where, 
you know, sometimes, you know, someone will squawk and say, oh, I need a, you know, I need a specific ergonomic chair or I need to buy office supplies and, you know, like paper and other things, printer paper and other things and whatnot, you know, to be able to do my job at home, you know, is the company going to reimburse me for that? It's like, what the hell are you asking for? You're, you are already saving so much money from a commute that you no longer have. Like if I take the six to $7,000 that I would ordinarily spend and wear and tear on my vehicle and in my time, which is more valuable than the money, I don't care if I have to if I have to purchase my own printer paper or if I have to buy my own three hundred dollar ergonomic chair. Right. You know, I'm investing that in myself. Right. What I don't have is the overhead cost of running the business that my employer has to pay. You know, I'm happy to buy those things that I need to operate like, you know, office supplies, you know, office furniture. I think I, sp I don't know, we spent like a few hundred dollars just on my stand up sit down desk, you know, my adjustable height desk and about, you know, maybe another few hundred dollars on my er ergonomic chair, right? I'd never once hinted or even asked my manager, you know, to, to let me expense some of that because you know what, they're doing me a favor, a huge favor by affording me that flexibility. So I'm happy, you know, like as a remote worker to pay those expenses, people need to put that in perspective. If you work remote, please do not bitch about the expenses you have to pay. Don't expect your employer to pay for some of your internet connection. Don't expect them to pay, you know, for, for some of your heat because you have to heat the house now that you're home all the time. Guys, you know, people, you know, take, take it for the win that it really is, which is a huge, huge lift up in your lifestyle and in your life flexibility. So, you know, that that's my take on it. I mean, you know, the these old school managers, you know, they, they need to sit up and take notice and, and really pay attention to the, you know, the possibility, the potential of how much money they can save the business by keeping people out of the office who don't need to be there. Because let's face it, with today's technology, there are metrics that can easily measure whether or not somebody's performing. Right. And I'm not talking about putting cameras in people's homes or anything like that. I mean, if you assign projects to people, you know, when the, you know, if the work's getting done or not. Right. I mean, we all know roughly how long it takes to do a specific task or, you know, a project, you know, you know, whether or not, you know, someone is actually getting the work done. And that's really what counts. Is that person doing the work that justifies what I'm paying their salary for? Right. I mean, if, if I feel that, you know, as, as a manager or, or an employer, maybe even a business owner, if I feel that the people under my employee are actually doing what I'm paying them for, I don't care, you know, and if I don't have to, you know, pay insane amounts of money for square footage to house them during the day, I'm saving myself a boatload of money and I can put that back in the business or you know, amp up some of the benefit programs for my workforce. I mean, that that's, that's really, that that's a much better way to spend business dollars and allocate operating expenses, you know, and cash burn, you know, don't put cash burn in some commercial landlord's pocket, put it in your employees, put it in your company. I mean, absolutely. And I, I think the, the most important and, and the success of working remote 
is dependent on trust. If you do not trust your employee that they are doing the job that they're supposed to do, there is a big problem there. Either you have hired the wrong talent or you are not giving enough work for them to do it so that you can build the trust and, and have the trust on them that they are doing the work. And, and to the other point, I have, I do not have the right number right now, but I have seen, especially big cities like New York, Chicago, if you go to the downtown, which was early uh, occupied with, with corporate walls, are getting converted to apartments. Because it's much, some companies have sensed it, it's much more easy or much more beneficial, economically beneficial not to lease so many floors for the employees. I know a company which went from eight floors to two floors. And, and they, they, they did wow. not renew their lease for, for the other six floors because they, they, they didn't anticipate that so many employees would be going to come. They only kept two just for, for, the, for the reason where they need to collaborate. There are times when they have to come once a week, twice a week, whatever the date they decide on, whatever the group they decide on. It's not like company-wide everyone has to come on certain days, but any project team can decide, okay, we're going to collaborate as a collaboration day. We'll come on, on Tuesday for five hours or two hours. And we can make that as a, you know, come to office, meet with, with the team and, and, and do lunch or dinner or something just to keep that uh, uh, connectivity and the uh, kind of connect with the employees as well uh, going on. But that's what I'm seeing in, in the big corporate world. They are not renewing their leases for. Um, so so it's a, it's, a, it's a, as I said, it's a win-win situation. And if companies are obviously if they have a lot of campus space and they just want to justify the cost they are burning and for that sake they are asking employees to come in i think i'm sure they they will just find the empty buildings absolutely and and you brought up that point about employee trust you know can i trust the person you know who is doing this job you know whether wherever they're doing the job whether they're doing it in my building or whether they're doing the the job in their house you know folks here's the here's the bottom line if that employee is not trustworthy it doesn't matter where they do their work. They're going to do their crappiest work either at home or in your building, right? So, I mean, you know, the, the, the trust thing, you know, you know whether or not you can trust an employee because, again, you have metrics to measure whether or not the projects that are being assigned are getting done, right? I mean, there there is a way to measure success and to measure output without, you know, having to justify the need for a warm body to be there. So, folks, we're going to go into a little bit of a break and then uh, when we get back, uh, V is going to take us in a different direction. Um, v, why don't you give us a, a little, just a little uh, excerpt as to, you know, what we're going to cover in the next topic when we return from the break. So, so there's this uh, book that I've been reading and I, I feel like in today's, and, and it, it exactly connects what we were talking about of, uh, of the trust on employees, especially working remote. Uh, this book is called, called Love is Free, Guac is Extra by uh, Monty Moran. And he goes on explaining how vulnerability and, and uh, love is, is the core of a healthy relationship, ir irrespective of work or anywhere. These fundamental things as an as an attributes for, for, for an individual are very, very important. And as we come back after the break, I will just uh, go through some of the summary of this and, and talk about some of the history behind this, uh, this author. And, and it will be deep dive into some of those con uh, topics. Okay, excellent. We will see you very shortly. Stick around. We'll see you guys right after the break. You're listening to The Straight Dope. That's good.
And welcome back to The Straight Dope. I'm your host, Damon Deere, and V is here with us tonight, and he's going to take us in a little bit of a different direction, um, although somewhat related to, you know, the topic that we've talked about, but a different spin on, you know, I guess, employer-employee relationships and, you know, and philosophy around that. So, V, uh, where are we going? Uh, so what I will try to explain what I have learned from this book, uh, again, this book is called Love is Free, Guac is Extra by Monty Moran, who is a former co-CEO of Chipotle Mexican Grill. Um, what fascinates me about is, is, and I'm sure everyone listening uh, or otherwise has tried Chipotle once in their lifetime for sure. And if they have tried twice and they have tried another different Chipotle, they cannot, they cannot make a difference. They will feel like they have, they're eating the same same place. So the story about this this book it goes about how a Chipotle makes food the same way everywhere every store makes, and that goes back to the culture of the company. He was a uh, I think if I remember correctly he was co CEO for almost thirteen or seventeen years for for Chipotle, and during his time in the company, he built that culture that we are today we see in the food. And I was the reason I was fascinated was I mean obviously I love love Chipotle but after knowing the story behind this it's and and going through this book I really felt that you know the culture is is the core of any company and as we talked about earlier work from home at the end it is a culture of the company that drives the performance of the employees and what 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 this books uh, on a very high level tells about is. If, if a person is ready to learn, if a person is, is, is uh, you know, showing vulnerability to be trusted, I think that's a great sign for an employee. And that is what this book goes into explaining how he saw that at a very early age, around age 15. And there's a very interesting story about him is because he was curious, but at the same time, very humble. And, and he could sense uh, uh, from a curiosity standpoint about talking about two people. Um, the the very fascinating story is that he was working in um, in one of the uh, um, uh, ice cream shop and he used to see a gentle uh, a, a person a homeless person uh, who used to uh, come there all the time not necessarily buying food or anything from the store but he used to uh, see him outside the stores and he was very curious and and he went and started talking to him and he asked me you know who are you uh, uh, you 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 know have you eaten something. And it is was his curiosity which it you know it went into a further discussion with him, and slowly slowly he was asking him about what he does and uh, and he and they keep talking every day and and funny thing happened after probably like 15 days or so he was kept asking and he said I don't, and the homeless guy says I don't have money uh, to buy any food and he said you you have money to buy cigarettes so why don't you smoke one cigarette less and take that money and buy some food and 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 the the crux of the story was he saw this guy as as vulnerable and he was ready to share and and talk to him and the story goes and goes on like that it for 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 a few months uh, they go back and forth and that that guy turned around left smoking whatever money he had he bought a food uh, he could eat and he started looking for a job. So that's a very, very story. And um, he learned that at the age of 15. And as he goes, he, he went into law school, he studied law 
and he there's a, there is a very uh, I, I would say one chapter that he talks about his law but i'll come back to that later but the other part is 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 how he inculcated the culture of of love and uh vulnerability in 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 chipotle um it it the story goes like this so he went to uh, one of the uh, restaurant in 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 london and that restaurant was doing really really great um and they uh, all the employees were uh, nicely working nicely dressed up the restaurant was clean and you know he uh, and he were actually went there to promote the the store manager to the next level uh, but when he when he um, you know starting have a conversation he did not get the sense that you know if, if she was ready or not but as he started talking and started uh, hearing her out and learning about her the story completely changed she was trying to portray something which was she was not for example she was very strict with her uh, you know the coworkers and but at that at heart she was really really humble but she was going through a tough time she had uh, you know all 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 thing going in the family but what i like about this person is that he made environment to talk to her in such a way that she was able to share everything and he could he could sense the vulnerability of of this person and eventually he obviously promoted and but then after two weeks or three weeks he went back the store vibes was completely different because now he explained that if you do not if you hide your emotions or if you um you know try to portray what you are really not at heart you are just going to you know uh, be be mad at yourself be mad at others and your best will not come out so and that's how the story goes out and and how do i relate back to what we were talking about earlier is if 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 you keep that environment with your with your employees who can be vulnerable who can be trusted who can be happy about what they are doing it you will you will make culture of trust automatically and people will trust you and 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 give you more than 100% for for the work that they do um and i i highly encourage that you should get this book read this book uh, i have not still completely done with the book but so far what i've read is 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 phenomenal and i also learned uh, there's another store that has just come out here called uh, happy hail um i went to that store and as i see as i read this book i am now getting you know one one you know more observant of of this and you won't believe me when i was talking to the manager there and i was saying that i've recently read this book you won't believe that store has this book for each employees wow so that's that's incredible so what i'm hearing is the the common thread of of this success story is that you know if if the employer makes an effort to treat members of their workforce as human beings and get to know the the human being behind you know the the position that it doesn't matter whether or not the person really enjoys the work or not but if they feel respected and they feel that you know that that the employer really does take an interest in their in their well-being and in their you know general welfare that that the person's happy to just be there because it's it's a it's a part of i guess belonging to you know a good group of people you know in a good organization like it, it could be that maybe someone doesn't really care for being a cashier or a clerk but if they know that their employer respects them you know um appreciates them as human beings i i guess i guess the message in this story is that you know it positions the company for, for overall success because you know 
if you know that that you are valued as a person you know you're not going to have feelings of resent to your employer or anything like that so it sounds like that's the common thread and the recipe for their success is that they they get to know and value the the human being that you know is part of their organization and working for them right and the other the other part that it, it talks about is is about leadership and management what you're talking about the old school is typical management where they 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 go by you know this rule like 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 you said, you can get, you can force somebody from a position of power to come at eight, eight o'clock and leave at five, but it takes leadership qualities to to have them do more than what they they could be capable. This is about by empowering them, by giving them uh, the the right right opportunities, and 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 that's that's the difference between the management and the leadership. And I, as as we all know, leaders are not who are not known how many followers they have. Leaders are the leaders who create more leaders. I mean, I can I can have hundred followers by by some if 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 I'm at a position of power, I can force some people to follow me. But can I really be a leader to have, have you know believe in me and 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 follow my leadership qualities and and make them more as as a leader? That's the difference it talks about. And I think the culture that he has created is 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 of leadership qualities. People uh, are are becoming leaders rather than you know just a worker. And he talks about in this books and, and how he empowers all the employees that they can make a decision. The smile that comes on their face is through that empowerment because they know that they are empowered to do. And they and, and it's very simple. Like For example, if, if somebody is working remote, if you empower them to make a difference in the company, I can bet you that person would do more than what he was he would have been doing coming to office because you have given him the platform, you give him the opportunities, you give him the empowerment to make a difference doesn't matter he works at from home he works come to office he may will make a difference and that's that's the crust which uh, i'll uh, i got this from this book and what and v what is the what is the title of the book it's called love is free guac is extra ah okay and yeah my, i'll tell you you know my wife said i mean we've been to chipotle before and i gotta say i love their chicken quesadillas i know it's on the you know it's more or less an item that's on the kid menu but hey ladies and gentlemen y'all know i'm a i'm a basically a kid at heart so it kind of fits but i will say love the chicken quesadillas you know don't care so much for the guac but my love my, my wife loves the guac there and hey you know so apparently you know she's not the only one because they've been known for a good guac so, so i mean so you know why why their why their uh, food tastes the same so there's another interesting story behind when they started chipotle uh, in colorado uh, very few restaurants and and uh, the the conversation that uh, monty had with the the, uh, the head chef or the who was the co-founder um they said and and Monty uh, uh, claims that he went into a competitor's uh, uh, store and and came back and said uh, our uh, salsa doesn't taste good. Um, at that point in time, Chipotle was using these machines um, to cut onions, right? And if you know any crusher or any cutter that cuts onion, it presses. So when an onion gets pressed, it starts to take out or leave juice, onion juice. So what he says is. So when you when you mix this with other like tomatoes or, or other things, that juice makes the salsa not taste good. And so the chef went and cut the, the, the onions by hand, right? And they made the salsa and said, this salsa tastes so good. What's the difference? 
and so they they go back and they realize that the the, the machine that they were using to uh, cut the onions was the problem so they went and and they said now onwards all the stores will cut the onion by hand of course there was a big uh, like he says there was a big resistance from the operations team because obviously chopping onions is not a you know simple task but again the 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 employee empowerment he made employees feel good about cutting onions they 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 would they would claim and they would learn the cutting onions by hand and they were so happy to demonstrate that they have learned cutting onions and today uh, if if you go to chipotle and if you see you look on the on the side of the, uh, where they make the prepare the food their onions are cut by hand their tomatoes are cut by hand and that's that's another very very fascinating story made made chipotle what it is today yeah and it and it sounds too like if they if they recognized that hey even though it is more work to cut the onions by hand it's it's a labor of love and it sounds like it plugs right into you know their whole philosophy that you know if if they if they if they can demonstrate the love that they put into the product that people are are going there for that you know that yes it is going to make the product better and will make the whole experience better so i mean yeah and i think that's true for a lot of things because you know if you know like if i mean i i didn't know i wasn't always doing what i'm doing now but like I've worked as a store clerk. I mean, my first job, I worked at Radio Shack, right, as a store clerk. And I mean, I've worked, I worked for a shitty manager, you know, I mean, and, and I think we all, I think many of us have, you know, worked for a shitty manager. And like, you know, like I said before, people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. But it's like, it's the same thing as like a sports team coach. You know, if you've been on a sports team, I mean, there are good coaches and there are bad coaches. But what they what they really transpose to is, you know, experience with management, right? The coach's position is to manage the team and to position the team for success. But if the if the coach is not well you know, well talented, you know, it could be a, a horrible experience for the team and the team doesn't perform so well. And I think that transposes exactly to a workplace environment where the management, you know, in, in this case, you know, being the coach of the business, you know, steering the ship, so to speak, you know, makes decisions that can make or break the success story. Thank I mean, and, and, and if, if I compare, so, so as I said, they resisted to Kakadani, but they really loved it. In 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 uh, in long term, they felt it was more economically better to cut by hand than to use machines because machines the blades goes off. You need to clean them every day. It's an extra overhead, but for a knife, just wipe it off and you're done. Right. I mean, you know, even though there there's you know more le- manual labor involved, but you know you spes- you spend less time cleaning the knife. Yeah. It, it, to- totally makes sense and that's exactly with the work remote right so th- if they can they can sell the the properties or don't le- uh, lease the properties they, that money is actually can can come back to the employees um and and and, and i think that that will will be a real win-win situation all i can say is you know if if i were to start my own business i mean you know let's say if it was a business whether it's a consulting business or whatever but you know it, any kind of business if, if there is for me, you know, it's all about the people and, you know, how, how, you know, those people come together to make, you know, the, the, the product or the service to be the best that it really is. I mean, there's ways to measure that. Right. So, you know, if, if I, if I 
don't have to spend and and have a high cash burn on commercial real estate, why on earth would I put my dollars there? I mean, just so I can have a fancy glass door and a, you know, in a, in a front office, you know, with a, a hot secretary in the seat, you know, I mean, hey, I don't need to have that. I mean, I suppose if I was going to have an office somewhere at minimum, I would need a conference room, maybe the hot secretary, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't need to be a, you know, a glass door with a gold plated handle. But I mean, you know, some kind of point of presence if, you know, if let's say if I have clients or, or in this case, other business partners coming, you know, for a meeting, I guess maybe the, the, you know, what should be considered is, you know, office space for collaboration, but not for work. In this case, yeah, am I having a team of business partners coming in, you know, where we're, we're collaborating on a product or a service? Or, you know, do I need to, like, you know, impress a, a client by maybe giving a nice, you know, demonstration and, you know, hey, conference rooms can do that and deliver that. I mean, so at minimum, you know, I guess having, you know, um, facilities to match what the business need is and not necessarily the, you know, the need to just have, a you know, um, most of my workforce sitting in a cubicle. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it sort of transposes to what you're reading in the book. Um, so I, I guess, uh, you know, that that's something, you know, like I said, I, I mean, you can certainly see it, you know, th there's a term called quiet quitting and quiet firing, you know, that that sort of thing. I, I think, may, you know, many of us have heard those terms thrown around in the, in the news today. Um, you know, quiet quitting is basically, you know, for those who aren't initiated, but quiet quitting is basically somebody who is tuning out. They're already checked out because they don't want to be there. And it's not because they, they may not find the work fulfilling, but if they're quiet quitting, right, they're quiet quitting because they don't buy into the work culture of that organization anymore. Right. And I mean, if you, if, if you don't, if you don't appreciate the organization that you're working for, or you don't feel that they really appreciate you, you're just going to be there long enough and do just enough, you know, to get by before you're ready to make your next move. Right. But if you really do care, right, you're more apt to, go that extra mile, right? In other words, you're not even going to like be in the shadow of quiet quitting. You're going to be in the shadow, you know, in the, in the brilliant light of success. So, I mean, and, and I think, you know, a lot of what you've described from the story in the book is, is really about that. It's about, you know, does my employer care about me? You know, and, and if I really feel that they do, yeah, I, I will most likely end up caring about my employer and my loyalty will be, at an all time high, you know, for the employer as well. I mean, you know, it, it cuts both ways. No, so uh, I, I completely agree. And, you know, uh, as, as I read and, and, and I understand, I think there is, there is, it's, 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 it's a common sense, but like they say, common sense is not very common, but it, it is always, if you care and show the care and, and be be mindful being considerate i think you will always get more than what you expect it is it and and, and everything that you do c carry some energy right why do people uh, feel negative when you are you know shouting or when you are 
you know uh, yelling at it right but why why it is when when the 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 response is so better when you show affection love because the energy that you're emitting is 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 very very contagious at times from a love perspective or or, or from uh, affection perspective so i mean it's it's very common so the more more you can be considered of your employee the more employees going to give it back and that's uh, that's my philosophy and uh, with that uh, i'll uh, again uh, do read this book again the book is called love is free guac is extra by monty moran the former co-ceo of chipotle mexican grip and do let us know your feedback if this was uh, helpful um, and we can leave the more detail about the books and the in the uh, comment section and uh, i hope you enjoy the book Absolutely. And, and folks, if, you know, if you are reading this book and you'd like to provide, you know, maybe your insight, you know, get in touch with us. I mean, you can email us. The address is show at straightdope.media. Again, that address is show at straightdope.media. Um, just, you know, feel free to get in touch with us. You know, if there's something, you know, you want also want to talk about, or maybe you want to also appear on the show, maybe you have something you'd like to share. Uh, we'd be happy to have you. Any topic is fair game here at the straight dope. And we'll be happy to have you, you know, share your perspective either on, you know, what we've covered tonight or, you know, something that, you know, you want to bring to the table. Um, always happy to have you. And V, thank you for uh, being our first guest. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Uh, happy to have you, and it's it's uh, it's it's awesome. And you know, we're thrilled to see people, you know, come to the table and you know and share you know something like this. I think it's I think it's wonderful. So with that, folks, I'm going to bid you all adieu and say Happy Friday. I'm your host Damon Dare, and you've been listening to the Straight Dope.